Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Is Jesus your shepherd today? Have you given your life to Jesus and become one of his sheep? The Bible is abundantly clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to have our sins forgiven and to come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and to ultimately go to heaven when we die. Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd and the Chief Shepherd, and, as such, deserves our full daily devotion. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 10 and continue to study the incredible words of our Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday morning, early Friday morning here in Texas. What is it? 709, it says on my iPad. I got my Bible on my iPad here. I got my 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 Bible in print right here. Is there none better? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hopefully y'all loving on Jesus. Nothing in our lives, right, is, is going to benefit us more than spending more time with Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sorry, sweetheart. My wife May is always giving me a hard time about my glasses along with several brothers of mine. Um, They're not perfectly clean. So, all right. So today we're going to do, we're going through John 10. Man, it's just good stuff. Today we're going to do verses, uh, Lord willing, 22 to, uh, to 30. Um. And then Lord willing, we'll finish up John 10 next time. Um, just uh, just really good sound, sound, just, just again, like all of them, amazing verses. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. Father, we just thank you that we get to have this Bible, that we have the scriptures, Lord. Lord, uh Literally, Lord, there's nothing in our lives of more value after Jesus than this this living word of God, than our Bible, than the Holy Scriptures. We thank you, Father, for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. And again, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior, Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for becoming a human man for us, living a perfect life for us, dying that horrible and torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, Good coffee. All right. Verses 22 to 30. John chapter 10. Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, 
and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And look at, after he says this, he tilts them again. You know, they just, they lose their mind. Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Um, and, you know, verse 32, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the father. For which of these do you stone me? 33, we are not stoning you for any of these replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Now, the irony is they just asked him, right? They approach him in verse 24. They gather around him. He didn't go to them, but they circle around him, right? Just to, to try to trap him. Um, they're not doing this in any way out of out of out of out of any type of belief in him, but they're just looking to get rid of him and they can't stand him. And they say in verse 24, the Jews gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. He tells them, then they go to stone him. Because they know what he's saying. They know, so do you see the, the irony there? They don't really want to know. He tells them he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's one with the Father, meaning him and the Father are equal in nature. They're both God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God. We have one God, but it is three individual beings, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all all-knowing. They're all all-powerful. They're all omnipresent. And in and through Jesus Christ, we have the incredible privilege and blessing of, of having a relationship with each member of the Holy Trinity. There's nothing better than that. In Jesus Christ, we have our sins forgiven. We come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. We immediately have eternal life when we receive Jesus Christ into our heart for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. And we ultimately go to heaven when we die. Without Jesus, we don't get any of that. We live this life spiritually dead, of no use to God whatsoever, and we ultimately perish in hell and spend eternal life separated from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I say this all the time. I know, I know that comes off intolerant. I know it seems unloving. That's what the Bible plainly, unambiguously teaches. It's not nebulous. They're the very words of Jesus Christ himself. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Romans 8, it says, he who does not have the Spirit of God cannot please God. If you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, Jesus living in you, right? 
the Bible says both Jesus and the Holy Spirit live in us, then you, then you cannot be pleasing to God. It's what the scriptures teach. So when we say this, as, as, as Bible teachers, as ministers, as preachers, we're not saying it to be mean or harsh, not in any way, y'all, but to be loving. Jesus is God. He claimed that he came into this world to save us from our sin because we needed a savior. We're desperate. We're hopeless. There's nothing we can do except fall at the feet of Jesus, humble ourselves before him. And John 1.12 says, to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you genuinely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What I mean by genuinely is, are, are you trusting in Jesus Christ right now for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Are you relying fully and totally on Jesus Christ? Or do you have some thought or confidence in something else, right? Do you have some idea that you're going to go to heaven or be forgiven of your sins by some other way? Uh, most people have this uh, scale mentality around the world. Almost every other religion beside biblical Christianity has a scale mentality. They know reasonably that they've not been perfect, that they've done wrong, that everybody has wrong thoughts, says wrong words, does wrong things. We're all sinful, as the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23. Every human being falls short of, of God's standard and is sinful. But instead of humbling themselves, and we've all had this idea, we have this kind of, uh, it's a pride really, where we believe we're going to do enough good over here to offset the bad we know we've done. And, 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 and we ought to do all we can to do all the good we can, but none of that will save us. And we can't trust in our own lives. We have to humble ourselves and trust in Jesus. If doing good could save us from our sin, then the torturous death that Jesus gave himself up for on the cross would not be necessary. If we could get to, to God by another road than Jesus, then the entire redemption of Jesus Christ, the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus would be unnecessary. So we can't go around Jesus and get to God the Father. So all of that's to say when we, when we say these things, it's not to be intolerant or mean or hurtful, y'all. It's to be as loving and clear as we can be, right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, today is the day of salvation. Give your life to Jesus today. All 8 billion people in the world need Jesus. That's the plain teaching of the scriptures. All right. Verse 22. Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. The Feast of Dedication is what we celebrate as Hanukkah. It was a rededication of the temple in Jerusalem. I was uh, studying this this morning and I actually looked it up. And so again, uh, the Feast of Dedication is Hanukkah. And this year, it's uh, December 18th, uh, which I believe is a Sunday. 
and it ends on Monday, December 26th. So in 2022, that's when the celebration of Hanukkah will be. And again, you you will get that menorah, that that you know, the big candle, and it celebrates the rededication of the temple of God um, in Jerusalem. And that's what that's celebrating. Um, then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. So again, John is just, again, just telling us what happened. When you read your Bible, we always say, you know, everything that was written in the past, Romans 15, 4, everything in the Bible was written in the past. It says it was written to teach us or instruct us. So you just don't want to read over it. You want, you know, look at the details. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. So he's just minding his business here. It's important to see. And he's just walking. In verse 24, the Jews gathered around him. So they come to him. It does not say he went to them saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So I was preparing for this and, um, and Jesus has told them plainly a, a dozen times, but they don't want to hear it. As we just said in the beginning, it's clear they don't want to hear it because he's going to say it again here and they try to stone him. So a good dozen times he's told them as I was preparing for this and, um, the Enduring Word guys, and I recommend them. Um, it's it's a it's a commentary called Enduring Word. You can just go to it online, uh, Enduring Word, and it and it's got uh, it's it's just a very well done commentary. It quotes some of the the great scholars of the past four five hundred years, and and they had a list in this section of of all the times that Jesus just in this book so far has proclaimed. In, 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 in a way that they know that he's saying he's God. Ironically, just like they do here, right? We said, verse 33, he's going to tell them again who he is. And they say, we're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus is not a mere man. I am going to try to get through verse 33 today instead of uh, verse 32, or I'm sorry, 30. Um, he's not a mere man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The incredible, you know, the incredible incarnation, God becoming a man. Um, one of the great and incredible, unbelievable realities and mysteries of our redemption, of us being saved from our sin, of our sin debt being paid by Jesus Christ at the cross. And all we need to do is receive him and trust him, rely on him, cling to him as our only Lord and Savior. And so I'm going to read just a few of these here. He says in verse verse 18 of this one chapter, okay, now he just told them, this again, some time has passed here, but just verse five verses or four verses earlier, Jesus says, and he's speaking to the religious leaders here, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Okay. So right there, when you hear those words, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. I pick it up. Okay. That's very clearly explaining to them. This is not a mere man. Now, remember the question they say to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? He hasn't kept them in suspense. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. All right. You remember in John 8, 58, very famous saying, it could not be mistaken. Jesus says in 8, 58, remember in 57, the Jews say to him, you are not yet 50 years old. The Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Because remember, you know, Abraham came, you know, whatever, a thousand years before Jesus, right? I don't know the exact number, but they say, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Verse 58, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. He said, you can bank on this. Before Abraham was born, I am. And you remember, I am was a name for God. You know, when Moses, and I think it's Exodus 4, when Moses said, who am I going to, who am I going to say sent me? And God says, tell them I am who I am sent you. So when Jesus says here, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. He is clearly saying he is God. Again, he tells them plainly. They certainly know what he's saying because in verse 59, chapter 8, it says, at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but he hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. So he didn't let it happen. He, it's plain, right? You remember we talked about it in John 5. Um, I think I'm going to use verse, what is it? Verse 21. John 5. Verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Okay? Did you hear that? He just said, the Father raises the dead. God the Father. They knew what he was saying. And he said, so do I. As the Father raises the dead and gives life, so do I raise the dead and give life. And you recall, I believe it's up around... 13, um, let me see here. He says, so you remember in verse 14, it says, so because Jesus was doing these things, this is chapter five on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said, my father is always at work and I too am working. Verse 18, for this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Chapter five. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So they knew it. They had been questioning him over and over and over. And again, we can go through one scripture after another here. So when they gather around him and tell us plainly, they've already tried to kill him. He has been plain. And this is, this is imperative that we get this. When we, are, when, when we leave this life at our death, 
we are not going to be able to say we didn't understand about Jesus. The scripture is clear. It's unambiguous. You have to deal with Jesus, his own words. This is not like anyone else. Jesus is not a good man. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not like any other holy man or a great philosopher. He is God. You cannot put with Jesus, you cannot put him in a category with any other incredible biblical man or woman of God or any other religious man or woman of God of, of any other religion, right? You can't put Jesus, now Mother Teresa was a Catholic Christian, but you can't put Mother Teresa, you can't put Mother Mary, you can't put Buddha or Muhammad, um, you can't put any of the, the, the Hindu people, Gandhi, right? You can't put any of these. There is, there is not a comparison. You can't put Moses, you can't put David, you can't put any of the apostles. We have to get into our head that Jesus is God. Jesus created the universe. He created mankind. Then in the most incredible love story ever told, he enters into the humanity and the universe he created. He enters the universe and gives his life as a sacrifice to pay for the sin of the humanity he created because we went so bad in sin. And all that's required of us is that we believe and trust in him and humble ourselves before him and give our life to him as, 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 as knowing he's our only hope, as our only Lord and Savior. Why would we rebel against that? Why would we push back against that? Why is that so hard for so many to accept, y'all? Golly, help us, Father. I mean, I'm begging. Give your life to Jesus today. There will be no excuse when we leave this body and it becomes very, very real. It's been said there are no unbelievers in hell. There are no atheists in hell. There's no Buddhists in hell. There's no Hindus in hell. There's no Muslims in hell. There's no agnostics in hell. Because everybody will believe and does believe, y'all. Everyone knows then. So all of this is to say, you know, Again, I don't know how to say it any different. Give your life to Jesus today. Jesus answered, I did tell you. And you have people as Christians and ministers and pastors and prophets and priests and evangelists and, and apostles and pastors and teachers and, and all the, the gifts that the Lord has given the body of Christ to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. And Jesus is telling you through his servants today. And you need to not only receive him, but then be one of his servants and tell others, because Jesus is going to answer us one and all. I did tell you, but you do not believe. That's what he told them. I told you plainly over and over and over and over, and he's going to go on to continue to do this. I did tell you, but you do not believe the miracles I do in my father's name. 
speak for me. That's a pretty good statement. He said, I told you, but you don't believe. But you know what? When you saw the miracles, when you saw the, the man paralyzed in John 5 for 38 years, paralyzed, you saw this man wake up. You saw this man walk up. Look at the man and say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. The man was paralyzed 38 years and the man got up and walked. You think you'd make the connection, right? All he did was speak and the man was healed from paralysis. No one's ever heard of that, right? Let alone seen it. The miracles in the Bible of Jesus are real. They've seen them. So again, a reasonable person should acknowledge that, yes, when that man walked up, claimed to be God, claimed to be the son of God, claimed plainly that he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, he's the savior of the world, of his own words, he said that no one comes to the Father, God the Father, except through me, trusting and relying on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And you see him do the miracles. That should overcome you, obviously, immediately. Now, I know what we'll say. Most of us will say, well, if I saw that today, then I would believe. Would you? I hope you would. I hope you would, but somehow they had seen these things, but they did not attribute them to the obvious that he is who he says he is. Y'all, Jesus is either who he, he says he is or he's not. One of my first, first uh, church fathers, Doug, when I was a, a new Christian, um, used to say all the time, either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's not. And if he's not, then none of this matters. Let's just go do whatever we want because there is no truth. There is no Bible. There is no morality. There is no reason for anything. We're all just an accident. And we just happen to be here with no purpose, no meaning, no life, no nothing. That's what we are if Jesus is not who he says he is. But if he is who he says he is, which is the only reasonable and rational conclusion, then we need to give our life to him because we're not going to be able to say we didn't understand. We didn't want to understand. And that's the problem here. Verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my father's name speak for me. You remember, Scott, in the previous chapter, chapter nine, never in biblical history do we have a record of any prophet, of any priest, of any man or woman of God healing someone of blindness, ever, right? Until Jesus steps on the scene, it had never happened anywhere. No one had heard of it because it had not happened. Nowhere in recorded biblical history do you have it. And yet, these religious leaders knew the, the man born blind, you remember in the last chapter, Jesus puts mud on his eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man washes and he's healed and he has his sight. 
There's a stir. The man goes before the religious leaders, but they refuse to believe. The man is a hero. He testifies. He won't deny Jesus. He proclaims like we need to proclaim. It was Jesus who gave me sight. Jesus gave him his natural sight, Esther, and Jesus has given us our spiritual sight. We owe everything to Jesus. We, we were born with our natural sight, and even that we owe to Jesus. But when we were dead in our sin and we received Jesus, we, we received our spiritual life, our eternal life, and our spiritual sight. Now that we can see and understand and know the triune God and know the word of God only in and through Jesus Christ. And so again, another miracle. Remember, they summoned the man's parents because they don't want to believe him. They don't want to believe. And I'll say again, we have that same stubborn spirit in us. We do not want to believe. I'll tell you, I know some of the most beautiful people. Well, these are women, but you know, I don't know as many men like this that are the most just loving, thoughtful, beautiful women. They're adult, smart, intelligent, extremely way smarter than me, right? In their 40s. And and then there are there are seemingly very good people, men as well, right? For some reason, you can find some unbelieving women that are just like really good quality people. And there are men as well, just, just not, not as many, it doesn't seem. But anyway, to my heart, and I love these people, these, these particular women, and yet they just, they just, they just, they just stubbornly won't believe. And the truth is, we don't, we don't want to, right? It's not that, that, that we can't. It's that we don't want to believe. And so, I, again, I'm begging you today, wherever you are, give your life to Jesus. Bow the knee to Jesus. I know it's hard. It does take faith. But it's a reasonable faith, as William Lane Craig, who's you know an incredible apologist and defender of, of God and, and Christ. He has a, I believe it's a podcast called Reasonable Faith. And he's a he's a he's a he's a, a highly intellectual man. Um, I'm not really an intellectual. I'm, I'm just a I'm just a plain old Bible teacher. But he's a a very high end intellectual, and I would recommend it. William Lane Craig, Reasonable Faith. I think that's it, right, Kristen? My daughter Kristen really likes it. Um, the the, the elder, senior elder of this ministry, Tom Anderson, really likes him, and uh, he's just you know he's very very sound. So Jesus answered. I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you become part of the body of Christ, part of the, the flock. Jesus has, the, the Bible so clearly teaches there is a, a body of Christ, right? Um the Holy Spirit, I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, immersed us and made us one with the body of Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit and one body, like I said, in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and we're one flock. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And again, Jesus refers to us as sheep. Um, it's just a metaphor used and he is our shepherd. All right. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
Are you following Jesus today? Do you desire to hear the voice of Jesus today? You can if you'll give your life to Jesus and receive him as your Lord and Savior. And now, if you are a Christian today, if you are clinging to Jesus, but you'd say, you know what, I'm not, I don't really hear the voice of Jesus. I don't, you know, once we've received Jesus Christ, not based on anything we've done, but receiving him by the grace of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's the gift of God, you know, not of works, so you can't be boasting, right? You see, the reason we can't work our way to heaven is then we'd have something to boast about as well. We could say, I earn my way here. That's why it takes us to humble ourselves and say we're hopeless, right? Um, but it's, you know, um, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. I know them and they follow me. But after we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, from there on, we want to devote ourselves to Jesus and spend time with Jesus and obey him, obey his word in the scriptures and, and repent and confess our sin to him and, and agree with him where our life is out of place and and begin to live a more Christ-centered, Christ-focused lives, living as Christ would lovingly, thoughtfully, intentionally, selflessly living more and more as Christ did, and abstaining from worldly sinful living, right? Spending time in the Word of God and in prayer and in fellowship and in community with other believers, right? Praising Him and worshiping and thanking Him. And as we devote ourselves to Him more, you will follow him more and you will hear his voice more. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, I give them eternal life. So remember, they're just, they just said to him, tell us plainly if you are the Christ. Verse 28, I give them eternal life. These are the words of Jesus. I give them eternal life. No one else. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Do you see why we can't say Jesus is a good man? Because either these words are true or they're not. If these words are not true, he's the biggest charlatan to ever exist, the biggest deceiver to ever exist. Verse 28, I give them my sheep know my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. My God, Jesus Christ, gave me his word. He gave you his word that it is him that gives you eternal life. And if you will receive him, you will become part of the flock. You will be his sheep and you will never perish. He gave you his word. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. That is a heavy statement. Did you hear that? If you're in Jesus Christ today and you're truly trusting in him as your Lord and Savior, you cannot lose that. Now, have you genuinely given your life to Jesus Christ? All right. The question is not that somehow you're going to lose that salvation. The question is, have you truly ever been saved? Are you genuinely trusting in Jesus Christ? Or have you just puppet some words and thought some thoughts? Or maybe you just have an intellectual, ethereal belief in Jesus. But that, that, that's not what it means to believe in Jesus. To believe in him means to trust in him, to rely on him, to cling to him. 
as your only hope for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul to have a relationship with God the Father and go to heaven when you die, right? I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. You see now again how he's making it clear that he and the father are equal of the same nature, right? Just like men and women are equal in their humanity, right? Men aren't smarter than women, right? Um, they're, they're equal. Men are not more valuable than a woman, right? Um, it's, we're equal, right? When you go and when you look at a family and it's got a father and a son and a children, they're all equal in their humanity. They're all equally valuable. You're not better because you're a man. You're not worse or better because you're a woman or because you're a, a, a child, male or female. We're all equal in our humanity. Now, the Bible teaches the father is to be the leader of the house, right? Um, and to set the tone for the house. And, to, and certainly the, the Bible teaches that, that, that the woman ought to in every way be striving to be like Christ and be a leader herself, right? Supporting her husband and, and leading the kingdom of God and being a leader for Jesus, Right? In no way is, is a woman to, to hold back by any means her walk with Jesus Christ because her husband is slow to grow, right? Now, again, that's a whole separate conversation. But the point I'm making is men and women are equal in their value, equal in their humanity. No matter what your, your race, your ethnicity is, we are equal. We're created by God in the image of God, right? And so when Jesus says, my father who has given him to me is greater than all, no one can snatch them out of my father. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So again, we are, we are, we are grass. We are held by our, by our heavenly father and by Jesus and the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And just like there are, there is no, uh, in humanity, you know, we're all equal as human beings in the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, they're equal in the Godhead. But there is also, you know, although they're equal in the Godhead, there is a, there is a structure in the Godhead that goes God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit, right? Where, where the Father is the, you know, is the head of the Godhead, but they're all God and equal, right? Just as the scriptures teach, the husband ought to be the head of the household, leading the family in Jesus Christ, right? Now, if you're married to a man who's not doing that, then you, you, you ought to just continue to be living for Jesus, growing for Jesus, and lovingly encouraging him in that way, right? Um, my father who has given unto me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Now, bam, they're going to tilt here because again, he's saying they are equal. Okay. We are one in the fact that we have the same nature. I and the father are both God almighty along with God, the Holy spirit. They're all God. Again, three separate beings, all God, 
They know what he's saying. So now you see that he has told them plainly again for what may be the 10th time. Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. I have. I have. You notice he didn't, you know, I have shown you many great miracles, which testifies to the fact that God is my Father, that God the Father and I are one. Notice he doesn't deny that he is God when they accuse him. So when he does the miracles, it should be obvious to them that he is who he says he is. And these things are true because otherwise God would not have been with him if he was just a fool saying these things or a mere man. And the miracles wouldn't have been done. The power of God that he operated in because he is God in itself testifies that he is who he says he is and is one with the Father and from the Father. I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Verse 33, we are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And we'll end here. You claim to be God. Yes, he did claim to be God. He was claiming to be God here. They know what he's saying but they just don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. It's not that they can't believe it. It's that they won't believe it. And so much so, they want to kill him. Where are you today? Where is your heart for Jesus Christ today? If you're a Christian today, you know, and you're, uh, you're living for Jesus, thank you, Lord. Let's keep doing that, you and me. Let's keep living for him more, right, Melanie, loving for him more, giving for him more, Chloe, and forgiving for him more, Benny, right? Right, we ought to spend our lives living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and, and forgiving for Jesus. That's the, the meaning of life. As Christians, the goal of our life is to grow in deeper relationship and intimacy with God the Father, with Jesus, God the Son, and with God the Holy Spirit. To grow to know them better, to live for them more, to obey the scriptures more, and to live in the joy and the freedom and the peace and the love of Jesus Christ. But we have to devote ourselves to that. Any relationship takes effort. If you're not a Christian today, then I beg you again to, to bend the needed Jesus. Give it up. Humble yourself before Jesus. Romans 10, 13 promises everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us. Words don't save us. It's Jesus that saves us, but words are how we communicate. You'll simply humble yourself before Jesus. Bend the knee to Jesus in your heart and just proclaim to him, Lord, I, I believe that I am a sinful person. I believe the Bible, that I have sinned and I have done wrong. Lord Jesus, I believe I'm, I'm hopeless and I'm desperate as the Bible says, and I cannot save myself. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God as you claim to be. I believe you are my God and that you became a human man for me and lived a perfect life for me. 
and died a horrible, torturous death, died a horrible, torturous death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. It's, again, use the words that I just used, but it's, again, it's the sincerity and the genuineness of your heart that matters. And if you'll call on him with that heart, knowing your need of him, knowing without him, you're hopeless and desperate and only hell awaits, then you too will be saved from your sin, forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future. You'll come into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father will become your heavenly Father. And ultimately, you'll go to heaven when you die, and you'll spend this life. You'll have eternal life now. When Jesus says, right, 28, I give them eternal life. Remember, eternal life is not only a quality of life, right? Right, Pastor Tommy, but a quality of life. Another one of my church fathers, Tommy, from... 23, 24 years ago, used to tell me that all the time. Eternal, eternal life is not just a quantity of life. We will live forever, but it's a quality of life that you'll live right now. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the word of God. Father, have mercy on us, a stubborn people, Lord, even as believers in Jesus Christ. I know myself can just be so stubborn and willful, self-willed. Forgive us, Father. And help us to live our lives unto Jesus. Holy Spirit, we, 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 we ask you to have mercy on all those who don't know you today. Convict them and lead them to the cross of Jesus Christ, that they might give their lives to Jesus and have their sins forgiven. Come into relationship with, with you and our Father and the Lord Jesus. And spend eternal life now and in heaven forever. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.